Hi, thanks for tuning in to High on Horror. I'm Drew. And I'm John. This episode and every future episode is dedicated to all the horror hounds and smokers out there who want to expand their knowledge of the genre and have a good time. With all of the crowdfunded horror films coming out, and most of them being sequels to franchises with several sequels already, it only makes sense that eventually someone would focus in on one that doesn't have any sequels, My Bloody Valentine from 1981. Valentine Bluffs is the name of the sequel, and it is a full-length feature, and it's now available to stream on YouTube. We're going to review it today and then talk with the director, Tom Smith, to go deeper into the movie and in the minds, so to speak, and find out why it was time to finally make a sequel. All that and more today on High on Horror. Interviews, reviews, and the latest news all rolled into one. All right, well, now it's time for Strainwreck. Let's start the show off the right way. If you hear that train a-rolling, you know what it means. Strainwreck is a segment of our show where we discuss what strain of cannabis we're getting wrecked on. And, uh, John, what are we smoking today? It's called SFV OG Kush, and that's what it said on the bag. I was wondering... So it's like not even a word. It's just like a bunch of letters. But it's an abbreviation. <laughs> I found that out looking, up, looking okay, it up here. It okay. stands for San Fernando Valley OG Kush. Okay, okay, okay. And uh, it's an indica marijuana strain made by crossing SFVOG with OG Kush. And the result's a heavy-handed indica known for its sedated and relaxing effects. SFG, OG Kush, that's such a like <laughs> long, long thing to say. I was going to say a mouthful, but I don't want to say that. I'll leave that open for comment. Anyway, it says it's uh, pungent and commonly described as smelling like lemon scented cleaner mix with pine. So like pine soul. Oh, wow. Like, I guess like lemon pine salt is what that sounds like. Medical marijuana patients choose this strain for its ability to relieve symptoms associated with chronic pain. Top feelings are sleepy, relaxed, and euphoric. Okay, I wonder if I was going to ask if forgetful was going to be one, because I was getting a little forgetful earlier. <laughs> Negatives are uh, headache, dry mouth, and paranoid. Ah, well, those are and the usuals. Then, uh, you and I talked all fair about this last week, about how I was reading some of these reviews here for the strains, and they were uh, pretty hilarious. So uh, I got a I got a couple here. Uh, this one's from February fifteenth of twenty sixteen. It says this one oddly gives gives me energy for an indica. It helps me chill out and enjoy activities like dancing in the grocery store, which is the only legal place a grown man is allowed to enjoy Taylor Swift, which is the real <laughs> crime here. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed Taylor Swift. Uh, that's not for us, but uh, I thought that one was pretty good. Yeah. And this is this is the one I liked, and it's the most recent I or at least the top listed review because 91 people found this helpful from October 8th of 2014 you better get your wheelchair now because you will need it smoke this bud with a friend at his trailer park while a bunch of senior citizens walk by and they knew we had had that good good laugh my ass off anyways this bud will give you a couch lock so high so beware the flowers that I got were super dense, rock solid, super frosty nugs, and you could definitely tell that they were an OG. <laughs> this high creeped in on me, slowly numbing my body, legs first. Definitely recommend everyone to try it out, especially if you're an Indica fan. So uh, <laughs> if you uh, find this, apparently get a wheelchair ready. I hope we don't need it today. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to make sure, uh, hopefully we don't fall asleep, but if we do... <laughs> Uh, I'm going to make sure that we do, because I brought back one of these King Palms, those uh, flavored ones. You hit the, like, I, I, think, I think I compared them to, like, the Salem Crush, but for, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. these little pre-filled blunts. But uh, I don't think we smoked one of these since season one, maybe. Yeah, it's been a while. I, didn't, yeah, it's, I it's forgot all about them. I forgot all about them, and then when I was looking at the dispensary, I'd never click on accessories. Right, right. And I saw it, I was like, oh, shit, I forgot all about these. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I got one of those filled up for the episode. Yeah, well, uh, that's awesome. I can't wait to try that. I was going to say um, something that I wanted to bring up to you is that uh, due to the um, Writers Guild of America strike, uh, Marvel's Blade uh, has been shut down now. Uh, Pre-production has been shut down due to the Writers Guild of America strike, and uh, this will be the second time that this movie has now been on uh, strike or on pause for different reasons. And we just talked about it. Get it back on track again. I know. I know. They just started casting and shit. And um, in other news, there's a new Blair Witch movie coming out um, that's uh, 
supposedly going to start filming in the late summer or fall, directed by Oliver Park, who had done, he's a British writer and director who had done uh, The Offering. Um, and uh, I don't know, though, like, do we need another Blair Witch movie? Like, you know, I, d- I don't know. How do you feel about that? That water belt tastes good. Um, I'm not a fan of any of the Blair Witches, so I don't see the need, unless you're just going to make one that's finally good. <laughs> Shit. Okay. But you well, know I don't like found footage films. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just want to know like what they're going to do differently. There's only so many different ways you can tackle this. Like it's not don't it, it's not paranormal activity, you know what I mean? I don't it doesn't need a ton of sequels here. Um but the other thing that I wanted to bring up to you was that uh, uh Scott McNary from Argo has signed on to do the remake of speak no evil which we have not talked about yet about how there's going to be a remake of that and yeah uh, i he's joining mackenzie davis and james mcavoy yeah i mean check out our episode with christian Tradif, taftrub jeez come on go get his name wrong man i mean and you know it's funny because my last name is horrendous to try to pronounce so yeah you would figure i'd be more i'd be more caring about people's last names i mean i kind of got to the point in my life as long as it's close and you said it i'll just i was i was at the hospital one time and this woman mispronounced it terribly she goes i got that right i was like nope but you know i'm just used to it at this point but anyway that tangent aside yeah christian taftrub uh go go check out our interview with him Uh, the question is how do you make it better or or is edgy Uh, like i said yeah especially is edgy so much is bleeding together we talk so much about movies i can't even remember what we recorded and what we don't but i think i might have said this on the air i said this to you at some point um i don't see them doing that ending in the american version i don't think that it's gonna have the balls just like like none of these american remakes do they always the thing that they always lack is the balls that the foreign version had and uh i don't think that the ending spoiler alert of the little girl's tongue getting cut out i don't think that's something that's going to make it in this version i don't know because i'd say 10 years ago i'd for sure agree with you i think it depends like how it is i feel feel like american american horror started to get more edgier Mm -hmm. like like the european films but i think that's because now we're getting directors that are fans of those yeah true but um 10 years ago i'd 100 percent agree with you that there's no way that would happen but i think it could but i again also would not be surprised if it didn't sounds like i'm just hedging my bets but like (laughs) like, i'm not gonna be surprised either way like yeah okay okay but i'm gonna be surprised if they i just don't know that they man like speak no evil that was like i think that was like my movie of the year last year yeah it was that was fucking excellent that was my favorite problem i'm probably contradicting myself i don't even i don't even think we did like a top list for last year did we i don't think we did i don't know but if but it was we did we did do a top five and yours was you definitely put it at like number one yeah yeah, yeah for I, sure we did do that i remember i do remember that <laughs> yeah. i i i just don't know how, how how they're gonna top it yeah all right well um on that note let's go on into horror history horror yes this week in horror history all right, starting with May 16th, Ronnie James Dio died. Oh, man. I refuse to believe that Dio was dead, man. He is in the multiverse slaying dragons and restoring metal How back to when it kicked my- ass. Uh, Dio is my all time favorite vocalist. What's your favorite song by him? Holy Diver. Holy Diver. <laughs> yeah, mine's Rainbow yeah, in the Dark. Yeah, I could keep talking about Dio, so it's best if we move that <laughs> along. Uh, yes. Uh, May 18th. The Abominable Dr. Phoebes. Yeah, I said this before. That's my favorite Vincent Price movie. If you haven't that's seen it, I highly recommend it. Uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's not my favorite Vincent Price. He's got too... But then again, he's got too many good good, good movies. You damn kids today don't know about Vincent Price. No, it's a damn shame. With too. your iPads and iPhones. Uh, May 19th. Speak speak no evil damn i just want to talk about it some more <laughs> see no evil from 2006 um glenn jacobs i have sent you several messages and i've seen you've read them come on man come on the show nobody's doing episodes on see no evil what, what do you got come on like you're a mayor now you got nothing to do <laughs> <laughs> but man i remember when i first saw this and uh i was still into wrestling at that time and like i was balls into into watching horror movies and i thought that uh this was going to be awesome i was like what kane in a horror movie but man boy was i fucking wrong and, and the sequel sucked ass too 
Damn, you didn't like it? No, not at Damn, all. Damn, Glenn Jacobs is for sure not coming on if he listens to this. Well, I didn't know you were going to pitch him an invite. Damn. <laughs> My bad, Glenn. You could, you know what? If you want to come on, you just don't talk to Drew. Yeah, you like, can just do a one-on-one with John. I'm cool with that. I mean, we'll talk probably for like an hour and a half just about your wrestling career. <laughs> But, I'll, uh, I'll give you my questions to ask it for <laughs> me. <laughs> I'll just so that way he won't he won't answer them. I'll just be like, this question is from Drew. <laughs> uh, 1989, also on May 19th, uh, Fright Night Two. Have you seen Part Two? It's got a following, um, but I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, unfortunately, because I do like Tommy Lee Wallace, but yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, he directed it, and you know, we love him. But I just thought it was like a huge step down from the first Fright Night. It's the first Fright Night isn't my favorite vampire movie like it is yours, but you know, I still very much hold it in high regard. Part two is a huge step down. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, I got those autographs. I still still need that Charlie autograph on there yeah, to make same. it complete. I mean, I would love the Roddy McDowell, but unfortunately that can't happen yeah unfortunately unfortunately also <laughs> may 19th uh which finder general aka the conqueror worm 1968 yeah another vincent price movie this this one actually is it bored me to death i'm not a fan that was a big miss for me uh so so your actors list of actors i feel like this goes christian bale and then vincent price no, nah, actually, believe it or not, it's Christian Bale, <laughs> Bruce Campbell, Vincent Price. My bad. Also, we're still on May 19th, Sean Whalen's birthday. Yeah, dude. Uh, he's he's a favorite in the horror community, and he's big on smoking weed. I think he has his own dispensary. Um, so he, he's cool with us. I'm definitely going to think about getting him on here, and we'll have a see about having a nice educational talk. That would be uh, that'd be pretty fun. Oh, we're finally moving today. May 20th, Mike Flanagan birthday. Yeah, man. You know, Murph Day. Like James Wan and Damien Leone, Mike Flanagan is like a living legend. He, <laughs> he does nothing but quality work, and uh, yeah. I've enjoyed most of his work, especially Oculus and The Haunting of Hill House. He was out on the strike line. I don't know yeah, if you yes, saw he that. was. Yes, he was. Yeah, I mean, uh, who knows when they're going to resolve that, but. By the time this episode airs, it probably will have been resolved. Yeah. <laughs> most likely. So, uh, I guess now it's time to get that PPA. Puff Puff Ask. Yo, man. Puff Puff Ask. Alright, Puff Puff Ask is a segment of our show where we read off messages that you listeners write into us on social media at HighOnHorror420 and through email at HighOnHorror420 at gmail.com and our website, HighOnHorror.com. I'll start. This one was an email that we got from Daryl T., uh, he messaged us after our last episode aired when we had talked about Terrifier 2. And uh, Daryl asks, he says, Hey guys, great episode. I can't wait to see Evil Dead Rise. I have a question. Why does everyone like Terrifier? I don't get it. I hated the first one and couldn't sit through the second one. You guys love Art the Clown, so please explain to me what am I missing? That's an interesting one. Um, so like, I don't, I don't really think that you're missing anything. I totally think it's okay to like not like something based on your own opinion you don't need to impress anyone by liking something just because they do um but for me what i get out of the terrifier movies is that they come off like 80s grindhouse uh video nasties movies remember john i talked to you about this they told they they come off like the movies that you'd be sneaking behind your mom's back to watch and get in trouble if you got caught watching it you know um they're grimy and gory uh exploitation slashers and they also have a sense of humor but i think mainly art is what people were expecting victor crowley from the hatchet films to be a lot of people thought victor crowley was like the next big horror icon and he never really became that and uh a lot of people just saw him as a Jason ripoff, unfortunately. However, art is uh, f- art. When I say it like that, art? is uh, he's fresh in every way. And uh, back in the day, we watched horror movies. We didn't know that Michael and Jason and Freddy were going to be pop culture icons. We had no idea. But now that we're older, we could spot a character and say that's the next icon of horror. And I mean, that's art. If I mean, prove me wrong. You know, he's up there with the greats. Yeah, I was gonna. That's funny. It's uh, Daryl Daryl T wrote in um could have just been nicole because i feel like this is her opinion on terrifier <laughs> and i i've always is told that her nicole is yeah. that a fake account are you daryl t <laughs> nicole we've talked about this numerous times but <laughs> i guess i'll just say the same thing like i pretty much tell her is just like i love slasher movies like that's the subgenre that i like the most and it's and i'm not here to be like oh uh, slashers are superior uh, 
I know most of them have a pretty weak plot for the most part, like Sans like a Halloween, which is really kind of just loosely kind of a loose plot too that just kind of works. I just like I just like slashers because you can just throw them on anytime. Yeah. And that's what art is. But it's just I mean, for me, sometimes I'm even like, oh, am I getting old? This seems a little over the top. Like the whole bedroom scene. I mean, I enjoyed it, but I'm just like, holy Agreed. shit. There's certain things Was that, that necessary? Agreed. I then I went, like wait, too. did I watch a movie, a horror movie? And I said, was that necessary? <laughs> right. Am I getting soft or did it really just go that far? You know, 100%. I, I get you. That was good. I like that. I felt and, the same way. And David's just like portrayal of art as just like that silent clown that it's like he's a bloodthirsty psychopath and like just like I just mentioned the bedroom scene you see yeah. how evil he is but just like the funny almost comical spin he puts on the character yeah that physical acting yeah is also what just draws me in because like art's just like ridiculous <laughs> in every sense like everything he does it's just ridiculous there's but a touch of like yeah ridiculous humor to it like everything he does kind of has a little bit of dark humor just like everything even from like just sitting down reading the newspaper when he's washing his clothes is can be looked at with like humor you know so I agree with you yeah, I mean, I'm going to use one of my favorite movies, The Big Lebowski. Nicole doesn't care for it. I made her watch it. She didn't get it. And I said, it's just, I feel like that movie's the same way with Terrifier. You just get it, and you either like it or you don't, or you, or you don't get it, and you just don't like it. Like, there's just two camps on those movies, I feel like. People just either get it or they don't. The people that do fucking enjoy the shit out of the movie. And it's just a good time. So, uh, I guess we yeah, can... Yeah, I would agree with that. So, uh, we got we also got another message after our last episode. I pulled this one for you. I know, thank you. Drew is the one that, like, picks our questions <laughs> out. Uh, Tiara H. messaged us and said, John, did you really think Army of Darkness is better than the first <laughs> Evil Dead? I think that Kevin Smith we got to your head. And I it mean, rhymes. It, it did i mean that i that was probably the best pre-rolled i've ever smoked and i'm not just trying that. to pun intended blow smoke up kevin smith's <laughs> ass like that was a damn good pre-rolled like it was infused too but was it enough to alter your opinion on army of darkness i don't think so look also another movie you can say i guess either you get it or you don't i enjoy evil dead but i just feel like evil dead 2 is just uh, oh, I'm probably going to get more messages now that I say this. <laughs> <laughs> evil Dead 2 negates the first Evil Dead to me. Like, it's just so much similar that it's just kind of like, oh, that was the, the, uh, but the, better the short version. film, yeah. the demo film, and then Evil Dead 2 was the polished version of it. Yeah. So to me, I'm just kind of like Evil Dead 1, whatever. I'd just rather put in Evil Dead 2. And then if I want to watch like ridiculousness, I'll just put on Army of Darkness. So yeah, I feel <laughs> number you. two. That's but, pretty funny. Like we though. also address. I mean, Ash versus Evil Dead, number one period for me. Yeah, I, I, my wife said that Ash versus Evil Dead was number one for her too, and like I said, it's definitely number two for me. If anything is better than Evil Dead too, it's the show. But I still keep the show after it. Just I you still know. just like the show. Um, but yeah. Uh, well, wait. I don't mean I just like the show, but <laughs> yeah, I got you. <sighs> I'm high <laughs> off this shit. Um, so yeah, uh, if any of you listeners out there want to reach out to us and ask a question, don't hesitate. You can find us on social media using the same tag, High on Horror 420, and email us at highonhorror420 at gmail.com and visit our website, highonhorror.com, and reach out to us through there. All right, let's talk about Valentine's Bluffs now. My Bloody Valentine is one of my favorite slashers of all time. I've mentioned it a lot on this podcast before. It's top three for me. Uh, slashers, I mean. Uh, my wife even likes it. And she doesn't really like 80 slasher movies. But she hit the nail on the head. My wife Sam told movies. me that she likes the movie because it has real characters. They don't seem to be acting. 
they're real characters and they're going through relatable situations. Plus, there isn't any dumb blonde or any other stereotypical slasher character besides the killer. All of the characters on My Bloody Valentine are smart and capable individuals, which is what makes it such a dy so dynamic, uh, or such a great dynamic, I mean, for when they encounter the killer, the minor. The ending of the movie has a great twist and concludes with, I guess, what I'd call an eerie, he's still out there shot. Uh, yeah, I was never really a huge fan of uh, the original one. I enjoy it. Okay, but, okay, you enjoy this. I don't. This is gonna sound terrible. Like, where you're gonna I get another message written to you next week? Somebody's gonna like, come at you. I don't make a habit of watching it every Valentine's Day. Where like I might watch Leprechaun every St. Patrick's Day. Okay, I know that sounds probably terrible, but like that's fair. I don't watch it every year on Valentine's Day. If I get around to it, I'll watch it. Well, I, but I, I, I think the killer is one of the best designed killers in all of slasher movies. Like I just I like the whole the whole minor outfit. So like I can't totally. complain in that aspect. Totally, you know, and uh, I I always, I always love the movie, you know. Um, but when the uh, uncut DVD hit in the uh, early two thousands. That was when I realized that like all of the kills had been cut, you know, and and my mind was blown. I thought that all of the kills in the movie were done off screen on purpose. You know, I thought it was just a not a non gory movie, but I still loved it. And uh, come to find out that all the kills were filmed and like in detail with practical effects, and to get to see those was game changing. And it made me like the movie even more. And uh, it actually pissed me off. It was one of the first like things that really stood out to me about censorship, and it pissed me off because I realized what I was missing or what everyone was missing and uh it was so heavily edited and they edited it so badly that the studio edited friday the 13th part 7 the new blood um uh, but uh, you know unlike the new blood my bloody valentine's footage wasn't lost and could be restored because there's a ton of like super gory footage from new blood that is just gone that we'll never get yeah but the lost kills from uh part 7 Wait, was that the one that, that, that we lost the sleeping bag with and uh and, and like the buzzsaw okay yeah, yeah. I haven't watched, I'd say, The New Blood as much as... It's funny, I'd say I, I watch probably Jesus Takes Manhattan more, and New Blood is definitely the better movie. Yeah, for sure. And one of the best designed Jasons. <laughs> I, of the I first eight, agree. the best looking Jason. Eh, I don't know, six is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh, yeah, 42 years later, we now have a sequel to My Bloody Valentine, and that's what we're reviewing today. So, uh, John, walk us through it, bud. All right. So uh, the film opens with a recap of the events that took place in the original My Bloody Valentine, <clears throat> in which a miner named Terry Warden went on a killing spree in the town of Valentine Bluffs on Valentine's Day. A lot of Valentines. Uh, <laughs> the authorities eventually put a stop to Harry's rampage, but not before he killed several people and caused widespread panic and fear. Uh, before we go a little further, I kind of remember something I want to talk about. Okay. The remake yeah the 3d one yeah terrible right oh yeah definitely <laughs> it was one of those movies like when they remade fog they made me like the original more <laughs> i where was like oh like i like the yeah. fog i was like oh well this is the remap eh, yeah that yeah this is why it was better to make yeah. me like it it make me it made me like it more yeah I, I wanted to like it but it just seemed like it was just there to just like throw 3d images at you it wasn't a good yes. movie at all and i didn't see it in theater so that was kind of lost on me i was oh man another side tangent <laughs> hey where we're we just summed up the original so we haven't actually got into the sequel what is it with 3d man it's like every like 20 30 years there's like a 3d fad that you're like oh the technology is improved it's good now and then everybody's like you know what i don't want 3d yeah i know i know i guess we're about due probably like another 10 years or so for, <laughs> for some more 3d shit probably it's funny because then like be i'll even get swept up each time a little bit and then i'm like oh no it was terrible yeah it was why 3D. was everybody watching 3d tvs what the fuck were we thinking <sighs> anyway <laughs> getting back to our film here we fast forward 10 years later and a group of young adults are returning to valentine bluffs for a valentine's day party you know that sounds like a smart thing to do right yeah right among the group are tom the organizer of the event his girlfriend lily and their friend sarah beth and michael as they arrive in town, they're greeted by a local sheriff who warns them about the dangers of being in Valentine's Bluff on Valentine's Day. Given, you know, the Tark... The Tark... <laughs> Jesus, man, this weed's getting me. Given the town has a dark history. And uh, despite the sheriff's warning, the group decides to continue with their plans and they begin partying at a local bar. 
However, uh, things take a turn for the worse when they start receiving menacing messages from an unknown source warning them to leave the town before it's too late. Uh, the group initially brushes off the message as a prank, but as the night wears on, they start to realize that something is seriously wrong. Uh, soon the group begins to be targeted by a new string of murders, uh, each one more gruesome than the last. Uh, one of the victims is found dead in a laundromat while another one is trapped in a dryer and burned alive. That shit was fucked up. That's probably my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I agree. As yeah. they struggle to stay alive, they begin to piece together clues that suggest that Harry Warden may not be dead after all, and that someone's using his identity to carry out a new reign of terror. And uh, as the group turns to the local sheriff for help, uh, but he's skeptical of their claims and insists that Harry Warden's dead. However, the sheriff's deputy, Axel, seems to know more than he's letting on, and the group begins to suspect that he may be involved in the murders. Uh, the body count continues to rise. The group finds themselves trapped in a deserted mine. I mean, we had to go to a mine, right? We had to, yeah. Uh, they end up discovering the truth behind the murders. It's revealed that the killer is not Harry Warden, but rather Axel, who was the only survivor of Harry's original killing. Uh, Axel has been masquerading as Harry in order to exact revenge on the townspeople who covered up the truth about the original killings and allowed Harry to die in a mine. But, like, they knew he was dead, right? Right, like, right, right. But I guess they believe he just came back from... I, like, feel like they easily accepted like he was back from the dead. And uh, in the final showdown, Axel kills Tom and Lily, leaving Sarah and Michael as the only survivors. Uh, Sarah and Michael manage to subdue Axel and escape the mine, but not before Sarah's injured in a fight with him. In the final scene, we see Sarah and Michael driving out of Valentine's Bluff, haunted by the memories of the horrors they experienced and the knowledge that the town will be forever associated with that bloodshed that took place on Valentine's Day again. <laughs> well said. It's like people keep going back to Crystal Lake. They decide to come back on Valentine's Day to Valentine Bluffs. Like They always think that they're just going to get away with it because time passed. Bad, bad, bad decisions. Time don't heal wounds like everybody says it does. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. I don't know either. Anyway, what would you rate this movie? <sighs> Probably 7.6. Oh, okay. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. That opening scene was, that was really well done. Yeah, I agree. It, like, it, like, it, kind of the like flashback scene. Yeah, it was definitely like you know reminiscent of the original. Um, yeah, I I, I love uh, I love what they did with the movie and the uh, direction that the story went in. As as far as the first one, I couldn't help but be nervous. You know that it was going to suck. Being a fan of the first one, and then you know there's a fan film coming out that's the sequel. Um, but it doesn't suck, and it's faithful to the original. You can tell that it was made with respect and love to the original, too. And like you said, the miner looks awesome. He always looks badass. Uh, and, dude, let's talk about Lloyd Kaufman, though. <laughs> yeah. He's <laughs> fucking yeah. hilarious. He had a bit role, so he really didn't fit much into the plot there. But, yeah, fucking Lloyd Kaufman is ridiculous. Yeah, he steals the show. And oh, he just, like, yells shit character. about, like... <laughs> Oh, what what is like cut cut cut? He just snaps, dude. He so he just plays the uh, the the you know rambunctious old man. Um, but yeah, I uh, I, I wish that there were uh, that the kills were gorier. Um, but besides that, some of the acting is uh, obviously a little bit amateur, you know. Um, but all in all, it's a good solid effort, and uh, you have to respect anyone who puts this much time and effort into making a movie that they make no money from. This was a passion project. I give. Uh, valentine bluffs seven ripped out hearts out of ten um also was gonna say i feel like the way i kind of judge a lot of these fan films is w would it fit into the franchise and i feel like this one could fit into there i mean there's some fan films i've seen some of the halloween ones that i'm just like this is terrible <laughs> like and no, made, made no offense to these backyard. other franchises but maybe it's our bias i just feel like it's hard to do a good fan film of halloween like maybe that maybe that's just our bias but that's how i feel i feel a lot of them are not good yeah and, but i mean i guess rob zombies did like fit into the franchise so <laughs> uh, they're better than some of the fan films halloween ends though right yeah <laughs> Just yeah. break it up for no reason. Just do that just to piss me anyway. off. Anyway. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, speaking of Halloween, it does have a tie into the movie. 
And uh, I'll talk to Tom about that in our interview. But uh, there's a reference to Rob Zombie's Halloween, too. That's why I knew you were going to bring that up, too. That's funny. <laughs> uh, anyway, just shit on that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so uh, we're not going to do a burn and learn today. The interview's uh, full of uh, facts and knowledge. So uh, let's just get into our talk with Valentine Bluffs director Tom Smith. Today's guest, Tom Smith, directed, co-wrote, edited, did the special effects, and more on the fan film Valentine Bluffs, the sequel to the 80s slasher classic My Bloody Valentine. Welcome, Tom. Thanks for being on High on Horror. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, first question that I wanted to ask you, um, we ask all of our guests this question first because it's High on Horror. Um, do you consume cannabis? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay <laughs> all right just ask it. that's you know usually the thing um what's your stance on it are you against it you know oh no <laughs> no absolutely not um no i just i just never really did it <laughs> okay <laughs> understood understood well can't hate me for asking um but uh, okay so <laughs> what's your favorite thing tom about making movies and like what's your favorite thing about making movies and how old were you when you knew that you know you wanted to do shit behind a camera Oh man, I uh, I was in a horror since I was like nine nine years old. Um, Friday the Thirteenth, the original Friday the Thirteenth, was the very first film I ever seen in the, like in the theater, and I was like nine years old. Um, nice. Yeah, so since then I was like all in the horror. Um, you know, just my uncle did like a lot of special effects makeup, and I used to like work with him, and he used to do it on me, and I got really into it, and uh, then I started doing a haunted attraction um for a recreation center like out of my own house and then a recreation center and that got me into like the making things and stuff like that and then uh a friend of mine you know asked me if i wanted to come and do some special effects for his movie and i, I didn't know what i was doing i was like yeah i'll come and do it you know just kind of fake it until i make it you know kind of deal and uh yeah. it started off like there i you know i got once i was on film like the film set i got hooked um and that was man that was back in wow 90 and then i you know i eventually went to special effects school uh in 2012 or 2011 uh at tom savini special effects school oh nice and then uh that's what i do like you know basically just do special effects and then i doing that for a long time and then I started like just getting into like writing my own scripts and uh, making short films, and then which led me into Valentine Bluffs was my first feature film that I directed. And uh, you'd mentioned Friday the Thirteenth. Um, what what were some other movies that kind of got you into the genre? Uh, my Bloody Valentine was my favorite. That's you know that was the reason why we did the Valentine Bluffs, um, The Thing, American Werewolf in London, um, The Prowler, the, any anything from the eighties. Like that's, that's all good shit. Thing, you know? um, pretty much anything that Tom Savini did, I was like on board, you know. Um, yeah, so that was that was pretty much it. Like anything in, in anything from the eighties, early nineties, that's what kind of uh, like inspired me to do what I wanted to do. Yeah, you you said the Prowler. That one's one that I feel is just highly underrated. So, it's such a good slasher Agreed. movie. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorites. I actually did uh my my first short film was called hunting for justice and that was kind of inspired by the prowler yeah and you uh i was gonna say you did have a lot of shorts under your belt i'm a big fan of short films for a handful of reasons uh but what attracts you to doing short films um they're just easier to do you know you don't have to schedule you know three four weeks to do it you know mm. you can do it over a weekend um you know it's 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 not, you know, it's, it doesn't cost as much money to do a feature. You know, you, there's different things. Like, I like doing shorts because uh, just like the time span, like the the time span, you know, it's like, you know, just doing two, three, four, five minute shorts. Um, my, my short, my short hunt, hunt for justice was, I believe it was like 22 minutes. Uh, and that was like the longest short that I did. 
but yeah, they're just a little bit easier, you know, it's, you don't need to take a lot of time to, you know, schedule everything and, and get everything together where it takes months to do, um, you know, Valentine Bluffs, like I said, was my first feature and that took us like two years, you know, two years before we even started making it, um, of all like, you know, revising the script, putting the campaign together, um, tons of production meetings with my producer and, um, yeah, it's like I said, it's just a little bit easier, you know, it's, uh, I'll just say it's like not as hectic, you know, cause heck, you know, when you're on set, things can get really hectic. Oh, for sure. And, uh, actually, um, and speaking of Valentine's bluffs, you know, and, and this being your first feature film, this was also your first time using Indiegogo, if I'm correct. Um, how was the experience and, and what, what differed from it than what you expected? Ah, uh, okay. So. Yeah, it was my first time running the, the Indiegogo campaign. Uh, me and my partner, Rowan, and Chuck Ryan, the producer, he also played the minor. We were the ones that like put it all together. Um, I, I actually worked on two films that had campaigns before, and they were not successful. So th the biggest thing for us was, like, we don't – I'm not a social media guy, so I don't have, like, this huge following um, – you know, so that, like the biggest thing was like I've seen all these campaigns fail, and you know, it, the like the the last thing that we wanted to do was run a campaign and only make like seven thousand dollars. Now you're you're obligated to make this film for everybody, deliver all the perks, and make the film for seven thousand dollars. You know, so that was the biggest thing. Um, it, like I said, it took it took us like seven eight months to put that campaign together. Um, and we, we reached out to a lot of people, you know, trying to get some, you know, some notes from them, like what worked, what doesn't work, you know, what they did. Um, quite a few people, you know, gave us, uh, uh some really good notes to take down and, uh, told us what to do and what not to do. And then when we, uh, we launched it, I was, I was nervous up until like the whole entire time we were doing it, you know, um, <laughs> luckily like we started out and, and it, you know, my bloody Valentine has a you know a following you know and and that was something that we were kind of it's not like a Friday the Thirteenth where you, you know or Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Halloween you know so it doesn't have that huge following it's got a cult following so um that again like I said that was kind of nerve wracking for that and then you know you're you're obligated to make the, a film for the fans you know and that's that's always nerve wracking because you know you're not going to please everybody. Yeah, and uh, were you worried about Paramount or anybody else trying to shut the film down? No, because so the way fan films work, there's like a fine borderline of how they work. Um, you're you're not supposed to, you're not allowed to do them, but they don't really say anything to you um, because you're not profiting off the movie. Okay, okay, that makes sense. That you makes know, total uh, sense. We put, like, we put like the disclosures in there. Um, and we were actually in contact with, uh, the original director from my bloody Valentine, um, and some of the original cast members, you know, so they were all pretty supportive of what we were doing. That's awesome. And, you know, uh, my bloody Valentine is one of my, uh, top three slashers ever. It's probably my second, honestly. Um, and it never got a sequel. So I wanted to ask you like, what was the push to take it upon yourself to make the sequel to my bloody Valentine being your first feature film? So when, so like, if you go back like a couple of years ago, I was at horror hound, I was vending up there and I just seen this cosplayer who had the ultimate, my, you know, Harry warden cosplay. Um, mm -hmm. the details were like, you know spot on and uh and when i'm vending up there i'll like you know if i see something i'm like i really like i'll try to grab a picture with them and um i just grabbed the picture with this cosplayer and now you fast forward like four years later um and i had the idea of like wanting to do this fan film because like fan films were like really big at that time like you know that's when like all the friday the 13th fan films started coming around right, um, right. people were enjoying it you know and it was like wow I, I like to do something, but I don't want to do it my you know Friday the Thirteenth or Halloween because it's all been done before. And being that My Bloody Valentine was always my favorite film, um, I thought that could have used a sequel, you know, because I really wasn't too big of a fan of the 3D version, the the 2009 one. Agreed. Um, the same. I didn't care for it. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I liked it for what it was because I got to see the minor again, you know. But as far as, like, story, and it's, I think it just fell a little flat. But, um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, like, that's where that kind of started. So, I rem- I had the idea of, like, I had the beginning and the end of the film and no script, just, like, a bunch of notes jotted down. And I started trying to find out who this cosplayer was that I met four years ago. Not even met, just got a picture with. And right. um, I started reaching out to, like, a lot of people that I know from conventions and was like, hey, do you know this guy? You know, showing pictures. And this one person, you know, after a few weeks, to he was like, yeah, you should really check out this guy, Chuck Ryan. I think that's his cosplay. And I looked him up on social media. I messaged him and I was like, hey, you know, you don't know me, but this is what I want to do. I got a picture with you like a while back. And, um, you know, we exchanged phone numbers, you know, and then, you know, I pitched them this really, what I thought was a really good pitch. And uh, I remember getting off the phone with him and I was like, tell my wife, I was like, man, he didn't seem too excited about that. So I don't know if this is going to (laughs) happen. And uh, I found out later on, like he was super excited. He was just trying to play like, you know, play cool. And uh, yeah, he didn't know who play, I was. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he was just like, you know, you know, have you ever done stuff before? And I, you know, and I was trying to explain to him, like, I'm not like a backyard filmmaker. Like we have, a, you know, legit cameras and stuff like that. And I sent him, I actually mailed him a copy of my short film hunting for justice. And he was like, do you have a script? And I was like, no, but give me a couple of weeks. And I sent him a script in like two weeks. And I sent him a copy of hunting for justice. And he called me up and he was like, Hey man, I'm on board. He was like, the script is really good. He was like, I liked your short film. And um, and then it was all from there. You know, that was That's that awesome. was actually like three years ago on Valentine's Day. We started it. And, um, you know, and, you know, it, it was actually supposed to be a short film, you know, just because of all that. Like, you know, we don't have a budget. You know, we don't have money to put out towards a film like that. So, um, you know, what, like, you know, going through ideas of what we can do. And then we started, like, looking into the whole like Indiegogo and Kickstarter and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that's pretty much how it all started. Uh, well, um, I was going to say, uh, Paul Kelman, the original TJ, unfortunately had passed away in January, 2022. And, uh, he yeah. was recast in your film by Jeff Swisher, who did a great job, but I wanted to know, um, behind the scenes, was Paul ever considered to come back as TJ before he passed away? No. Um, if I if I'm going to be honest, Paul Kelman was actually the only one of the very few who was who was kind of against it. Um, he would message me and was like, "Hey, you can't do this," and I was trying to explain to him like it was a fan film, um, and not like oh, no kidding. He was just like, "Hey, you can't do this," and and uh, and I was like, "Oh yeah, we can. You know, it's a fan film, and we're not making any money off of it." And you know, I was trying to explain to him, and then that was like the end of that conversation. Um, wow, I did not know that. Yeah. So, but, uh, you know, I, I spoke with other, like other cast members and they were all very supportive of it. Like, uh, and, and some of them were actually supposed to be in the film, um, just due to scheduling. It just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, how, how did Lloyd Kaufman become involved? So, okay. So, you know, you see the movie. So we have this crazy like mayor, um, like he's like the antagonist of the film, and uh, when I wrote the script, I I wrote it and I was I cast uh, uh, multiple people for it. Actually, uh, Danny Roebuck was the first person, the guy who plays uh, in all Rob Zombie's films, and he he just played um, Grandpa Monster on the Monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, he was supposed to be the mayor, and then. You know, a bunch of stuff happened with the whole crew dropping out, and then we had to reschedule. And then he was only in town for that one day, and then we couldn't get him. And then, uh, you know, we left us like a month to like try to find somebody—not like two weeks, really—to try to find somebody for the mayor. And uh, a lady, Courtney, she's the news reporter at the end that's interviewing the mayor. Yep. Yeah. She she is very good friends with Louis Kaufman's family. Okay. Um, I believe I believe that's his goddaughter, um, and she was like, "Hey, I can get you in touch with Lloyd Kaufman," and we were just like, "Yeah, let's do it," you know. And um, <laughs> oh yeah, and I'm, like I said, I grew up in the '80s, and you know, I, I'm a big fan of trauma films, and I was just like, "Wow, that'd be really cool." 
And, uh, you know, my biggest thing was, you know, Lloyd being Lloyd Kaufman and Troma, like he, I wanted him to take this a little bit more serious. And, you know, when we reached out to him, we, you know, we, we spoke with his assistant. We got it all scheduled. Um, we came up with the, the amount of money. And uh, I spoke with him, and he was on board. He was super excited about it. That's awesome. Uh, now, did he improvise much, or was it all kind of just written for him already? Um, it was well. The script was given to him like a week before. He actually came in and knew a good bit of the script. Um, he he did like you know, lived some lines and stuff like that. Somebody like because uh, we were just, you know just tell him like you know take it on a series, but like be, be that antagonist where nobody likes you, you know, um, you're the person that, you know, we want to see die in this film. And, um, <laughs> yeah, he, he was good. He, you know, he, he just went on doing his own thing and he added some things with, you know, made it kind of funny. Um, but I was all for it. You know, it was, he was, he was such a, a pleasure to work with. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, it cracked me up because to me, his uh, character in, in your movie was basically the mayor in Jaws. He was the guy that just yeah. pushed things to keep going when he should have backed the fuck off. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny you said that because it's very inspired by Jaws, uh, that mayor. Um, um, Jaws, is, <clears throat> Jaws is one of my top three favorite movies. Uh, when people ask oh, me all the time, they say, what's your favorite scary movie? And I say Jaws, number one. Um it was the movie that made me never want to go in the ocean ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. That, that had the that had that effect on a lot of people. Um, but one of the things that really stands out about your movie that I wanted to say was to me as a huge fan of the first My Bloody Valentine, which I don't know if you knew this, but uh, My Bloody Valentine is also Quentin Tarantino's favorite slasher film. So I thought yes. that that was interesting to find that out. But um, the neon the the neon town sign. Of valentine bluffs looks fucking incredible man is that the original sign if not who made that like i want that in my house (laughs) no no, we made it um we we built it we actually uh again before we started shooting we were like months away from shooting we got together a group of us we brought chuck in from wisconsin um and uh we shot a teaser concept to put together for the indiegogo campaign so we had uh, a few people work on that sign and make the sign. Um, uh, a guy I went to school with, Daniel Madden, he he built the sign for us and did the lettering, and um, and then we kind of like finished it up uh, when he was done with it. You know, uh, you know, refinished the lettering and uh, you know lacquered it all up and you know made it look the way it is. Um, but yeah, you know, I think there was like four people involved that you know made that sign. But uh, it, it was legit. It was it was really cool to see. Um, yeah, but now that's ours. It's sitting in my basement now. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, watching the movie, I thought I'm like, damn, did they get their hands on the original side? Like it's it's pretty accurate. It looks pretty badass. Um, and uh, you actually though something about the movie too was that you actually filmed scenes in an actual mine. What was that like? Was that a pain in the ass? And what kind of precautions did you guys have to take before filming those scenes? Oh yeah, it was uh, everything was so like difficult. Every location was difficult because of COVID. Um, that was like the big thing. Uh, but when we actually shot in the mine, it was our. It was here. Here's a really good story. It was crazy. So we were our shoot was nine a nine day schedule. Um, we were scheduled to shoot at nine days. Our very first day was the mine, which is the hardest day. Um, and it was the first time we got this whole crew together. And then we had people back out the last minute. So we actually went in there with not a full crew on the first day. And uh, Shit. It, it was pretty crazy. You know, it, it was a real mine. It was uh, It's called the Pioneer Tunnel in Ashland, PA. Um, yeah, it was, it was crazy. I remember the first day we went in there was in, uh, in August. It was like 85, 90 degrees. It was hot. Ugh. And you, you get near the door. And you open up the door and it's like a freezer. You walk into a freezer and it drops down to like 40 degrees right away. Um, and it was cold like <laughs> and it was wet. It was so damp. And, um, you know, and here's another thing too. When we, when we scouted the, the mine a couple of months before that, we, we went in there and we took the tour down and we were walking around and it was dry. The, when we went back to shoot, 
it must it rained a couple of days so when we got in there everything was like wet and damp and dripping and it was like you know just really bad <laughs> um we actually the, the fight scene that fight scene was coordinated to go, like go on the ground like and do like you know some wrestling on the ground like most fights are um yeah we couldn't do it we had to like you know you know re redo a whole nother like fight scene kind of just because of how wet it was and like we couldn't go on the ground um it, it was pretty crazy but it was fun you know there was like a lot of things like we couldn't bring in uh like any kind of electrical stuff like generators or stuff like that so we had to go and get like you know battery powered lights um everything had to be like battery up op- you know ba- battery powered and uh nothing could be plugged in um you know the lighting in there was it was pretty good for what we needed but we had uh you know some lighting of ours you know, you know some lighting of our own come in uh some people and uh and do it but uh other than that like i said it was it was fun like it, it wasn't hard it was just they were just long days you know and then uh right we, we ended up having to go back into the mine like two months after we shot uh to do some reshoots i imagine that that was a, a total like oh my god i'm i'm actually making a my bloody valentine movie moment with you being like in mines and stuff right yeah here here's the the best part about it was when i was in there and we were like we were getting ready to shoot the first scene well, we shot it and we were like, you know, we were doing things. And then we were about four hours in until we seen the minor. Cause we shot a lot of stuff with the TJ and the sheriff first. And then we, you know, we had Chuck in his, in his minor costume. The first time I seen him in the mine with the suit on, everybody was like getting goosebumps. Man, it was like so crazy. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really cool. Um, so with the ending, um, revealing, uh, that Axel is back, are you, uh, in hopes of doing another sequel? No, <laughs> not really. Um, I would like to, but here's, here's the, like the issue with it. Like you got to realize like it takes like two, you know, two years out of your life and you're not making no money off of it, you know? So right. you can't profit off it at all. So that was, that was hard, you know? Um, yeah, I, I kind of left it open ended like that with Axel, um, just in case later on we wanted to come back and revisit it, um, or if somebody else wanted to do a fan film off of that film. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And but, uh, uh, is there is there any other horror movies you would want to make a fan film of? I think uh, with your latest answer, I, I got to imagine it might it might might be no. Kind of uh, with you said how hard it is to make it. Nah, you know what? When when we were when we first started talking about doing the fan film. Uh, it was either going to be one of two films. It was going to be a Texas Chainsaw Massacre or the My Bloody Valentine. And the Texas Chainsaw Massacre one was up in the air because I actually had access to a meat house. Oh, shit. Oh, nice. Yeah, so... Um, but like I said, I mean, uh, again, you know, My Bloody Valentine is my favorite film, and I had the idea, and I thought it was a cool idea. Um, and, uh, you know, we just went, you know, went for it that way. Well, um, one of the things that I really liked about, you know, the movie that stood out to me was the Nightmare Toys commercial because I buy from there all the time and I socialize with Christy Adams. What was, uh, was that an existing commercial or did you film that specifically for Valentine Bluffs? Yeah, we filmed that just for, well, they filmed it just for Valentine Bluffs. Um, I, when I reached out to her, I was like, hey, you know, cause she was, she was one of the, she was a second sponsor um, that was something that was like really weird. Like, I don't really know if other fan films got that or do that, but we were fortunate enough to get Fright Rags as a sponsor. Um, oh, nice. And then, and then Nightmare Christie, Nightmare Toys was the second sponsor. So once we got that on there, and then Christie was going to be in the movie. So I reached out to her and I was like, hey, um, you know, we'd like to promote like Nightmare Toys some way. So what about like doing a commercial? And she was like, oh, yeah. And I just said, hey, you know, do this commercial, make it like 80s cheesy style, uh, like them bad car salesman commercials, you know, um, <laughs> crazy Eddie. And uh, I was like, just do something like that and then send it like send it over to us. And they did that on the it was the first shot. And uh, there was no getting back to them and saying, hey, can you change this and do this? I loved it. I was like, this is so funny. And uh, there was also a 
uh, trailer in there for uh, a Michael versus Jason movie. If those two fought, who do you think would win? Ah, uh, Michael. <laughs> see, I'm I want to see Michael because I like Michael more, but I think to me it would probably be Jason. Yeah, I don't, it's it's that's so weird, it's like hard to say, but um, that that fan that's actually a fan film called Road Blood, um, made by Peter Anthony. Um, yeah, I reached out to him. He was like a, a, a big supporter of the film, and I knew that he was doing a you know film and and I, I'm all about like you know working with like promoting other people, other fan films and other films in general. You know, um, there's just way too there's too many people out there that are negative. And like it's, they see like it's a, like a competition, you know. Like I'm doing this, and you can't do that, you know. And you know, we just wanted to show people like this is how it should be, you know. So I reached out to Peter, and I was that's like, awesome. "Hey, I want to put like a commercial together for the scene that's going to play like right before the commercial, of the mayor that comes on." And um, and he sent me a clip, and I, you know, we cut that together as a commercial for him. And it was just like a shout out to them guys, you know, because you know they you know making these films is hard you know and uh yeah. doing a fan film is even harder because you're putting out money of your own you know you're raising money and again like you can't make anything off of it so it's just like you know let's support each other and not you know throw out these like negative vibes like you see a lot of people do and uh i enjoyed uh the insult towards uh rob zombies halloween too from those kids did you like <laughs> any of rob zombies halloween movies I'm actually a huge Rob Zombie fan. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I like all of his movies. I like the Devil's Rejects. I would say is like one of my favorite films. Um, Same. I like the Halloween one. Halloween two was. I, I think if you take away certain things, it, it would be a really good film because I like the fact that they he went about it like seeing what Michael Myers sees in his head, like making it more humanized and not like this. You know, like this ghost thing, you know, or uh, just special, you know, you know, just uh, a creature that like can't be killed, can't die, you know, kind of deal, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, my son is, uh, my son was the one who actually says it. <laughs> and, uh, oh, really? <laughs> and he doesn't like Halloween too. And that actually was something that he came up with on the fly. And it, it, was, <laughs> kind of, it was funny. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, even I've I found even people that's like Rob Zombie's first Halloween. The, it's hard to find anybody that ends up liking the second one. Yeah, like I said, I, I like the second one. I thought it was if you just take out like certain things, like the whole like mom, like he's seen his mom's visions and the horse thing, which are kind of odd. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I think it's a pretty good movie. You know, I don't. I mean, I enjoy it. Like I said, I, I enjoy Rob Zombie's films. I know there's a lot of hate for Rob Zombie films. Um, you know, me and my son, like, go back and forth with it. You know, it's like having a, a debate on, like, why, you know, why is his film good and why his films ain't good. And it's, it's funny. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he, he, he definitely doesn't like him. <laughs> yeah, I'm with him on that. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not the biggest Rob Zombie fan. Drew Drew's a little more of a Rob Zombie fan than me. He's yeah, hit and miss for me. You but when he like, gets it right, he gets it right. Did you like the Devil's Rejects? I boycotted <laughs> Rob Zombie after the first two Halloween movies. I hadn't seen those yet, so Drew uh, Drew's uh, trying to eventually get me to watch those. I'm uh, telling should, him, just because you don't like Halloween doesn't mean you won't like them. But uh, he won't yeah, watch them. <laughs> House of a Thousand Corpses was, it was good because at that time there were no good horror movies coming out and and the way rob put it out there was you know he put it out there raw you know and it was like a, a whole new way of like making a film you know kind of like uh like music video kind of style you know um so i i liked house of a thousand corpses but then when devil's rejects came out um i just thought that was a really good like because it's very raw it's raunchy um it's and, funny and, when you get when you actually or when you're watching a movie and you start at the end of the film you start feeling sorry for the people who killed all these people i think that's pretty good writing and at the end of the devil's rejects i was like man i actually feel bad for these guys like for what the sheriff's doing to them yeah dude me too that's what happened to me i was like yo um like i i started tearing up at the end of the movie 
And I'm like, why? These guys are psychopaths. Why do I? Why do I feel this? (laughs) Yeah, and he and he's got the best soundtracks (laughs) of all the movies. Yeah, you can't deny that. (laughs) Oh, he's got soundtracks. And uh, yeah, again, we we want to thank you for joining us today to talk about the uh, about the film and my 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 bloody Valentine and everything else. Uh, Do you have any upcoming projects you're working on? Yeah, so. Right now we're uh, we're in pre-production for an anthology, um, oh, which is like kind of like Creepshow, Twilight Zone kind of deal. Um, okay. It'll be four short films, you know, ranging in between uh, fifteen to you know thirty minutes, you know, style, um, put together as an anthology, and it's going to be called The Sick and Twisted Tales. Mm. Awesome. Uh, any idea around when, when that may come out, or is that just in the uh, well, stages. It's it's still in early stages. We have okay. we have all the stories lined up. We had two scripts like kind of finalized, um, and it's just a matter of like bringing the right people on. Um, I know like a good amount of the people that were like a part of Valentine Bluffs are, are going to be on that project, um, and awesome. we're we actually might be looking to bring in directors, other directors, um, you know, to direct some of the shorts. You know, just like I said, because so it's, it's about you know promoting each other, you know, and uh, and I like I said, I I respect all the you know the filmmakers that work hard and doing what they're doing, you know, and then you know because you you sometimes you have these like these filmmakers, even people who I've worked with that are like, oh, we're family, we're family, and then you know six months later they don't even talk to you no more, or they you can't yeah. even get footage from them, you know, and it's like what happened to that whole like we're family deal, you know, we're friends. Yeah. Um, so more, this is more like, uh, Valentine Bluffs was definitely, uh, the best crew and cast that I've ever put together. Um, easily like the most talented people. Um, John Picos was our cinematographer, um, for, it's so crazy the stuff that he got for like the little equipment that he has. You know, um, I remember when I first spoke to him, he's like, I don't have a lot of equipment. I just got this camera and this camera. And this slider, and I was like, "Cool, let's do it," you know. And uh, we came, <laughs> we came up with the shot list, and um, yeah, it was it was it was good, man. Um, uh, everybody had so many hats to wear, you know. It's like, you know, we have actors that are producing and lighting, and you know, uh, we lost our sound guy the day before we went to the mine. Um, so, oh, wow. one of the other actors. He was like, I, I can do a little bit of sound, you know, if I have some equipment. And John, the camera guy, was like, well, I got this equipment. It's not the best. You know, we went into the mine and he did it, you know. And, um, you know, we had to go back in the mine and redo it because of certain things, like some sound and some uh, some of the shots. Like, we, we didn't get that. We really wanted. But, um, you know, he did a really good job for stepping up, never doing sound. And, and I believe sound is uh, probably 80% of the film. You know, like, you can't make a good film with bad sound you know i'd rather i'd rather have poor shots you know blurry you know blurred out shots and and uh good sound you know at least you can get away with that kind of stuff but if you have bad sound in the film and we we had some issues with ours um we had to do some adr um but all in all i think it worked out pretty good for what we had to like for what we went through again there was a lot of uh you know films are hard you know and a lot of mishaps um, yeah, two days is a pretty short short notice to replace somebody. Oh uh, yeah, like that was literally. I got a text message from the sound guy about eleven thirty at night, and we had to be on set at seven o'clock in the morning. Um, so yeah, that was not good. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you you deal with that, you know, and uh, you just get through it. And you know, we had a lot of uh, a lot of issues on this set, you know, from the very beginning. Um, I know I've said it before on podcasts where when we shot our teaser concept, uh, COVID hit our set and 10 people got sick with COVID. And I actually got the worst and was I ended up on life support. Um, oh, wow. Oh, shit. Yeah, being on a ventilator and on an ECMO machine. And I was in a coma for a month. And uh, when I remember coming out of it and like, you know, after a couple of weeks of like being able to talk when they pulled the breathing tubes out. Um, I remember like telling, you know, my crew and my wife that I didn't want to make this film. 
I don't want to be on film sets no more. And, um, you know, I, I, it was so hard. It was so hard. I had to like go to right after I got out of the hospital, like and heal from COVID and everything that I had to deal with in there. I had to go like to another hospital for like uh, physical therapy, like a rehabilitation, like to learn how to walk, like do all kinds of like feed myself. I couldn't like, I couldn't eat. I couldn't feed myself or I was so weak. Um, oh, wow. So that, that was like, I was supposed to be in there for like six months and I got out of there in like a month and a half. Um, and then once I got home, you know, I started getting the bug again. I was like trying to get in my workroom and start sculpting again and making things. And, uh, it was frustrating at first, but once I got into it, um, I was ready to go and I, I contacted uh, my partners and I was like, Hey, I want to do this. You know, let's, uh, you know, we, we, we went all, you know, we, we made so much already and, uh, we, we thought we had a, you know, a pretty good film to, to make. And, um, my wife was like a huge supporter of that. She was the one who kind of like talked me into it. And, um, then we went on and, you know, we started doing it again, you know, and then it took, uh, another year to make the film. Yeah. Well, that's, well, that's thank a God lot, you hung that's in a lot there. to go through. Yeah. Like I said, there was a lot of, a lot of like, that's just like the, that was like the biggest thing we had, like, you know, people not showing up, you know, we had cancellations on certain things. Like we lost locations. Um, you know, we had all that kind of stuff always happens, but, uh, yeah, you know, you just got to get through it and, you know, pull together as a team. And that's what I say. Like, this is, uh, you know, this is one of the first teams I worked with in a long time uh, that stuck by each other. There was no egos. Everybody knew what we wanted to do. We were out there to make, like, a fan film for the people, you know, for the fans. And, um, mm. yeah, it was it was, it was was good. It was fun. And, uh, hopefully, you know, I talked to a majority of them, and a majority are on board for the next project. So uh, I can't wait to start That's working awesome. on that. And uh, yeah, again, we just want to thank you for speaking with us today. It's been a real pleasure to get to talk to you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, nice thanks for you, coming man. on, man. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks to all the horror hounds and smokers out there for tuning in. Thank you to Tom Smith for joining us today. If you haven't seen Valentine Bluffs, make sure to check it out on YouTube. And uh, next week, we're going to bring you the Pops Exorcist. <laughs> I gotta do a bad I mean if Russell Crowe could do a bad Italian accent I should be able to do a bad Italian accent yeah, we'll but uh we'll see if we liked it but uh as many movies that have come out recently the trailers have not inspired me to think they were good but hey Renfield was better than what I thought it was gonna be so uh, I, I've done worse things with my time than watch Russell Crowe take on some demons so let's see what, let's see what this is about <laughs> damn low blow again damn that movie was bad or screen five either let's take a bet anybody listening at the end of this season whoever can count just give us an accurate count of how many times John shits on scream six throughout this season <laughs> we'll give you a prize John will give you a prize that's a lie somebody's gonna send, send it in I'll be like oh I can't remember so I'm telling you the process is corrupt already <laughs> anyway make sure to follow us online at high on hard 420 Facebook Instagram Twitter TikTok you can send us some uh, PPA, Puff Puff Ass questions at highonhorror420 at gmail.com. And uh, check out our website, highonhorror.com. And uh, that should about wrap her up. Catch you later. Bye, everybody.